Anna's Encounter with God Time here on The Breakfast Show. You're with Lyle and Lawson, double L team happening here today. We're about to get into our Bible study, 20 million movement, 20 million people all studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time. And you can be a part of that movement today right here on Faith FM. Before we get into our Bible study, a little bit of housekeeping to do. Okay, so we've had a few text messages come through. And okay, we had this one come through from Bruce uh, in regards to vaccinations. Uh, put your trust in God. Amen. That's uh, Bruce's uh, thoughts on it right there. Very simple and straightforward. Uh, then we have another one here. Let me just see here. Um, okay. The withholding of food reminded me. So this was uh, from the interview. Yes. Reminded me of no man will be able to buy or sell. That's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that talks about Christians universally around the world at the end of time. Many people in the West can't believe this will ever happen, but it has been happening for a very long time in at least 50 countries. This is what the future holds for all true Christians. Yeah, so you read that in the Bible and you think, yeah, that's pretty wild, that's pretty out there, that's sort of never going to happen. You know, we all kind of thought that kind of thing, you know, these kind of things would never be able to take place, you know, restrictions on freedom of movement and so forth. You know, this time last year, and then we had a uh, COVID crisis, and suddenly, wow! Not even the COVID crisis. We talked in the uh, in the in your news section about people being fired from their jobs. You know. Yes, just for posting their religious views on social media. Mm-hmm. So the future is it's only going to get worse from here. I mean, here's an interesting thought. How many times have you sat in a crowd of people or in a group of people that have been having a conversation together and decided to keep your thoughts to yourself? Oh, plenty of times. Yeah, that's because the pressure in our world right now is against Christianity. Yeah. And against the positions that we take and that we stand by as Christian people. But like the flip side to that is that so many people are searching. And even people are part of these communities that are oppressing Christianity, there is like, there's ultimately a draw. And that's because it's, it's, it's not only it's true, but the message that we have for the world is so... Like, you know, you hear these stories about these people going through persecution. And it's like, oh, man, you know, how could they take that? And it's because of their beliefs. Like, what they believe to them is so true. It's so beautiful. It's so holistic and all-encompassing to them that they're like, I am willing to suffer for this. I'm willing to suffer to, for for the ability to worship the God that I worship. And so, like, there are people all around the world who are still sitting on the fence. They're seeing this happening all around them, oppression or, you know, where we're living in Australia where there's not as high of a pressure, um, you know, they're searching, they're seeking, and we have the opportunity to share with them. Yeah, we get bent out of shape when we lose our job for posting in defense of Jesus Christ on social media, mm-hmm. on our private account, whereas there are people who are literally starving to death. Yeah, wow. Well. Because they, you know, first world problems, eh? <laughs> Put in a bit of perspective. You'll have to see it. Oof. All right, so uh, going back to the story about children, and we've had a bit of a theme on children. So we talked about children, uh, stolen generation. We talked mm-hmm. about children being removed from their parents, uh, particularly the indigenous uh, Torres Strait Islander communities that we have here in Australia where this is a massive problem. And, uh, wow, where do we find even a solution for that? But also the persecution of children as Christians. And we had uh, Etienne was talking to us about the gift packs that they, the Voice of the Martyrs sends across to children in persecuted countries at Christmas time. So you can make a donation there on uh, Voice of the Martyrs if you go to uh, their webpage. But 
Um, yeah, uh, we had somebody text in to say, this is so tragic, we need to save our children, and we do. We need to Amen. do whatever we can to save our children. And particularly here in Australia, we are a developed country. We have lots of resources. Surely we can do something mm-hmm. practical and effective to save our children yeah. and to create an environment where they can be raised by their parents and they can be raised in a safe environment. Mm. There is so much more that we can do in that space. Um, oh, 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 just quickly, like I'm just thinking as you're speaking, like, of course, you know, there is the, the, the push there of like, oh, we should get together as a, as a communal voice to, to speak to our governments, to speak to those in power, to make that push. But then there's also lots of things you can do personally. Like there are so many organizations you can support. There are so many things that you can get a part of that supports the Volunteer, children. donate. Yes. So like we also have a personal responsibility to, to answer that call as well, as well as obviously lobbying to our governments and, and having our voice be heard because, you know, they make big decisions. But let's, let's just start with ourselves. If you feel compelled, then there's nothing stopping you. Like, and that, that's, that's a call for everyone. I'm not just sitting here on my, in my radio chair, like trying to judge everyone. That's a call for literally everyone. And that's a call that I want to take up. So, yeah. Absolutely. All right. And a quick reminder before we get into our Bible study that if you would like to have a clearer signal on Faith FM, some oh, people aren't yeah. getting a perfect signal. Uh, we understand that. And particularly if you are somebody who drives long distances, you mm-hmm. will kind of lose the signal after driving a little bit of distance and might be halfway through the breakfast show and suddenly it's gone. It's like, oh, no, that'd be yeah. really sad. <laughs> we don't want you to have that sad experience. So simply uh, download the app Faith FM Australia. Um, onto your phone, run that through your car stereo, and you will have Faith FM with you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. And it will, uh, that's the way to listen to the radio these days. Mm-hmm. That is the way it is done. All right, Bible study time. We're talking about being created in the image of God today. So, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27 is where we're starting. Lawson, take it away for us. I am furiously page turning here we go genesis chapter 1 verse 26 the bible says then god said let us make human beings in our image to be like us they will reign over the fish uh the fish in the sea the birds in the sky the livestock all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground Okay, so here we've got this passage, and it's a fairly well-known passage from the creation story where the Bible says that we were created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Does that mean that God has two eyes, a nose, a mouth, legs, arms, feet, fingers, toes, like we do? Mm. Well, there are like... Actually, we talked a lot about this um, in, a, in a subject that I studied last semester in theology and faith. And what does it actually look like to be created in the image of God? And, um, you know, like for, for man, what is his functions that are similarly, similarly to God? And there's all different kinds of beliefs, um, but like the kind of most most agreed upon being created in the image of God is is being like a sentient human being with the ability to have relationships with one another. Um just as just as God is, but then there's also you know um, the purpose that God has, as it, as it mentions here in the verse, like that man rules over um, the earth and has dominion over it, same as God over 
the universe, you know, um, when we talk about like the, I, I believe it's called the cultural mandate that man has to, to look after the world and um, to have relationships with one, one another. Yeah, there's a lot of different opinions, but at the same time, this verse kind of defines it as well. So Yeah, so there's, as you say, there's a, a, a bunch of different areas here that we can explore. So maybe we should spend a little bit of time exploring some mm-hmm. of them. The Bible says that human beings, we were given dominion over the world to rule over it. Mm-hmm. What does that actually mean? Does that mean that, okay, uh, this world now is just one massive resource for the benefit of human beings and we can use it in any which way we like because, well, it's just kind of like a big ready-made farm. Let's just go for it. There are a lot of people on earth, um, well, actually probably very few people who are very rich who probably uh, take that stand uh, that, yes, this world is a big natural resource uh, that we will use to our advantage, particularly to make money from. Um, my my view, my view is like, you know, in the Bible, like it's very clear, like our body's not even our own, like that God owns everything and it's for us to live up to God's ideals rather than to abuse them for anything that we make up. But what do you think, Lyle? Oh, well, absolutely, you know, dominion, totally. You reckon? Yes. Oh man, that's that's some that's some trickle down economics right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it all it all depend, depends on how you define dominion. And so, as Christians, when we talk about dominion over the world, that does not mean that we are here to rape the resources of the world. Mm. I think that, uh, as you say, there are some wealthy people who do look at the world that way. I think that there are less and less of those. And I think that within Christianity, there is far less than what there used to be. Yes. I think that we have looked at the world that way in the past. And to be honest, to a certain extent, we've been able to afford to do so. Yeah. You know, you go back 100 years and the population of the world was a fraction of what it is right now. Mm-hmm. And go back 100 years before that and you've got you know less than 2 billion people living on the planet. And you've got such a massive bulk of resources mm-hmm. available that those human beings are never, ever, ever going to become to an end of those resources. So 200 years ago, you've got less than 2 billion people on the planet. You've got a massive amount of resources and those resources are being ha- being harvested with muscle power. Mm-hmm. And so you're simply never going to run out of resources. And so because of that, we were able to look at the world somewhat as a large ready-made farm. Mm-hmm. However... That is not the world in which we live today. Yes. We live in a world that is, well, some would argue, massively overpopulated. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And increasingly so. We live in a world where the natural resources, the non-renewable resources, are rapidly dwindling. Mm. You know, 200 years ago, we could look at the the non-renewable resources and, well, it doesn't really matter because human beings are simply not, you know, using those resources fast enough Mm. to be able to have any impact on them. You know, 200 years ago, you might bring up a little bit of uh, fossil fuel-based oil to use for lubrication on your steam engine. Mm. And you could look at the oil reserves on the planet and say, yes, we're never, ever going to run out of those. Mm Mm-hmm. If all you're doing is a bit of lubrication on a steam engine here and there, never, ever going to run out of those. However, now we live in a situation where everything is powered by those fossil fuels. All of the plastics Mm. that we have is made from fossil fuel. All of the (coughs) transport that we have and machinery had runs off fossil fuels. And these are non-renewable resources. And so being created in the image of God means that not are we just, you know, 
that the world is not just a massive farm, a ready-made farm, but the world is a place for us to manage. Mm. And this is what you see happening in the universe. God is in charge of managing the universe. We are in charge of managing this world. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, like, the, the universe that God has created is, like, obviously it's sustained by God, but within the bounds of his sustaining, like, there isn't a problem of, oh, you know, it's running out of resources, whereas I think it's humanity's impact of the on the planet. As you mentioned before, you know, we're not harvesting things by muscle power anymore. We've gone way beyond that. My dad works, you know, as a project manager in a coal mine, like, you know, dealing with machinery that is like hundreds of tons and like you know and they're they're making huge money to you know strip the world of huge amounts of resources and simply the reality is is that like like i think of things like the 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 pacific garbage patch as just an evidence of like okay well we've gone a bit far with this a long way too far we've done that in a very very few short years Mm -hmm. so it's we we are in a definitely we're in a different situation yeah. Okay, text message came through uh, in relationship to what we were talking about uh, Indigenous children Ooh. and uh, 20,000 of them, over 20,000 of them being taken from their parents just this year. Uh, massive numbers right there. 37% of uh, all children who are in, in uh, care other than their parents are Indigenous Australians. And uh, someone wanted to say, I've been in Australia for over 50 years, so this, is, this person's an immigrant. But the uh, Indigenous problem never seems to improve no matter how much money has been given to resolve the problem. And mm-hmm. I think that's a valid point. You can't, throw, you can't solve these problems by throwing money at it. Uh, makes me wonder if there is a plan behind the scenes for, continuing the, for making the problem continue. Mm. I don't know. That's a that's a that's a bit of a big call. What do you think there, Lawson? Uh, is is there is there is there an agenda to keep certain portions of society oppressed? Now, I think at that point you're getting into like personal motivation by powerful people that's relatively unprovable that you can only see by action, which is like very hard to detect. So I, I couldn't say that it's a big conspiracy. I'm being very diplomatic. You are being I'm very saying. diplomatic here this morning. Um, look, I, I think, just think the end result is the end result is the end result that, we've, that exactly. we see right now. Exactly. And, you know, when you see 20,000 people, 20,000 Indigenous children that are not living with their families mm-hmm. this year and you go back to the stolen generation who are averaging 1,600 a year mm. during that period... Uh, that is, you know, we have an infinitely bigger problem now than what we did back then. And, yeah, it just, it really does make you stop and ask the question, what are we doing here? Yeah. Is this the best solution? Like, it ultimately, like, it doesn't matter whose personal motivations is, you know... Like no, that's what, right. What people think about the The issue the is what can is, we do about what the can problem? We do? Yeah. yeah, what can we do 100%. to make a change? Okay, Lyle. I don't I, have the answer. Neither do I. If you've got the answer, we want to know. Give us a call. I have a counterpoint to what we've been talking about so far. Right. Okay, so, so, listen, so, all right, in the perfect, in the perfect world, you know, I'm talking pre-sin, Adam and Eve created in the image of God, where the world is being fully and continuously sustained by God and the lives that they're living are relatively simple because they, they don't need the things that we need today because, you know, 
death and sin doesn't exist and not that they wouldn't advance or have developed as people or a society but it's just that we're in a very different situation than they are does that mean and and we're also living on a world that is dying and that we know from the bible is coming to an end does that mean that we then have the right to go hard so to speak, using the resources, um, you know, as you kind of bluntly said before, raping the world of the, the resources that we have because we know that the world's dying and this is the only way or, you know, this is... I In guess other words, it's all going to burn anyway, so why worry about it? Yeah, that. What is... Could that be... <laughs> yeah. This is Lawson's long way of saying... of, of getting to that particular point. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, and it's a very good question. I have... I don't know that I've ever come across Christians who believe that. Uh, there's a little bit of that attitude that comes through from Christians from a positive perspective in the way that they actually look at their own personal possessions. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are many Christians like, well, you know, I've got all these possessions, but it's all going to burn anyway, so what can I do to use these possessions to do good in our world right now? Yes. Uh, that's very, very positive. And I think that uh, from the perspective of it's all going to burn anyway, that is where we should be coming from. Mm-hmm. As far as the natural resources of the world, and particularly the non-renewable resources of the world, you know the whole attitude of like, well, you know, let's cut down the Amazon rainforest because it's all going to burn anyway when Jesus comes back, and so let's make as much money out of it as we can right now. That is an attitude that is based on greed and on self, and uh, mm-hmm. that's not a Christian attitude mm. because that's like, what can I get for myself right now? Yeah. I don't care about what God has created. I don't care about what anybody else's interests are in this particular environment. Why would I care about that kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't see that as much amongst Christians. I see that amongst non-Christian people. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the whole concept of looking after our planet and being stewards of our planet originated with Christianity. Which is kind of weird because you know you get you get all of your greenies and so forth, um, not all of you, but a lot of greenies and so forth that can be very very anti-religion at times, mm-hmm. and they're you know anti-churches and anti-religion and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, guys, you know what? Your whole philosophy mm-hmm. of being stewards of the world, and I don't agree with a lot of what they stand for because they just take it too far and you know to the to the ridiculous level. That's a discussion for another day, mm-hmm. but. Um, the basic foundational concept of being stewards of the planet and being selfless about yes. the planet rather mm-hmm. than selfish about the planet. It's 100% Christian. Yes. That's where they got it from. That's where it originated. That's, that's why they grew up with that in their DNA. Mm. My thoughts there, like when, when you were noticing before, like the, the motivation to cut down the Amazon rainforest is only from greed. Like, you know, the the most noble argument that could be made for cutting down the Amazon rainforest to, or, you know, stripping, you know, the world of coal or, you know, like when people talk about like uh, getting natural gas and poisoning water and all that stuff, the, the most noble aspiration you can have doing that is comfortability. That, oh yeah, this is going to make life easier. Yes. Which in itself is like, again, anti-selflessness. Yeah, That's right. selfishness. Absolutely. Because aren't you comfortable enough already because... You know, the fact is that a lot of people that are doing this are people who are already wealthy and they just want to be wealthier. <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, so we're talking about being in the image of God here this morning and we 
talking about uh, some of the different aspects of being in the image of God. One of the things uh, that um, you find about being in the image of God is, you know, we're talking about dominion over the earth and so forth. God has dominion over the universe, and he has given us dominion over the earth. So that's one of the ways in which we are in the image of God. What are some of the other ways that we could consider being in the image of God? We sort of listed a few sort of at the beginning of the uh, uh, Bible study uh, and maybe you can you can call in and text in with some thoughts. What do you think or what do you see are aspects of being made in the image of God? Does it mean that God is physically like a human being? Does he have mm. flesh and blood and bone? Is that what God is made up of? Well, I would say no. Be- being that God is the ultimate creator of the material, that means like he's immaterial. That's like a big, you know, cosmological argument but um and what uh, our lesson our 20 million movement really gets at is um how god is similarly to us in the scope of education is that god's ability to be conscious to be interacting with the world around him to learn from the things that he does and be yeah just conscious is how we are similarly similar to god how okay. we are created consciousness in his, in his image so God is somebody who can appreciate beauty. My dog does not appreciate beauty. My dog doesn't look, you know, stand and stare at a sunset and say, "Oh, that's so amazing. That's so so beautiful." My dog doesn't um, look at a flower garden and see the beauty of a flower garden. My dog just sees something to stand on and to <laughs> dig holes in because the ground is kind of soft. <laughs> and so, from that perspective. You know, and, and we don't see, you know, my dog doesn't have the same moral compass that we have, you know, as a human being and so forth. Uh, it's quite different for an animal as it is for a human. And yet we know that God is somebody who, for instance, appreciates beauty because God has created so much extravagant mm-hmm. beauty in our world, incredibly unnecessarily extravagant beauty right across the planet. Uh, that is, you know, the beauty that we see just in the natural world, for instance, is not a requirement for the process of evolution. Evolution does not require artistic design. Mm. So why is artistic design there? Artistic design is there simply because God loves that kind of stuff. So why are human beings creative? Because God loves creativity. Why are human beings, why do human beings, you know, my dog doesn't appreciate music. Mm-hmm. You know, sit down and and uh, you know show a special interest in you know uh, particular genre of music or whatever it might be. But humans all respond to music. Oh man, D- like the design of our world being you know intricate and created and like my favorite a kind of argument and place to see that is music itself because you know the counter argument to like oh you know how are there beautiful things is you know people could say oh well us as humans. We've just developed the ability to be able to appreciate things as beauty, but there isn't an actual standard, you know. It's just like some things we like and some things we don't like because of how we've developed over time. But music is something where, like, mathematically, the way that music works, that sound resonates, um, you know, like different frequencies resonate in each other depending on, you know, what key you're in and the chord you're in and, you know, how, like melodies are structured um like it's it is like so based on design like it's impossible to not be designed it's not formless like yes music is mathematically like 
Incredible design, detailed, yeah, de- mathematically detailed, like and together, and functions like so. That's like how we've created a system around music that functions so well that you know, pretty much, it's its own language. It's because like music itself is so inherently designed, like and mathematics. So, yeah, it's it's to me, I see that, and I'm like, there is yeah such clear beauty here. Which then, in as we've been talking about, as a designed. Um, and created human being in the image of God, we can appreciate because we have, as God does, that ability to. Absolutely, absolutely. A couple of people uh, texting in right now. Let's just see what we've got here. Um, let us remember, we can't take it with us, the things that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what should we do? Should we just uh, squander it? No, this person is saying, we can't take it with us, so use what you have to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good uh, perspective on our management and our dominion over the world is that we use this world to the glory of God. And mm-hmm. so you've got kind of kind of got two extremes. You've got one extreme that says, you know, we have dominion over the world. Uh, it's all going to burn. And, you know, very, very few people ever find this. Uh, and so let's just use it and abuse it as much as we can. We have the other extreme that says, well, you know, we've all evolved and so everything is of equal value and so a bug is of, is of equal value to me so I'm never going to kill a bug even though it's eating my vegetable pl- garden or whatever it might be. And so you've got these two kinds of extremes whereas I think this one gives the balance to it. It's whatever it is and whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Mm. Use it to God's glory while we have it. Uh, also got a text message there for bragging rights for our second quiz today. So uh, good to see some people have got their thinking caps on. If you'd like a prize, then uh, call or text us right now with your answer, uh, 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. They were thinking while I wasn't. That's, that's what's going on. <laughs> what's going on. Before we finish up, just do need to mention that the greatest way in which we are made in the image of God is that we are made to have a relationship Amen. God is a person who is love, and love is the foundation of all relationships. He designed us to have an eternal relationship with Him. That's what's so special. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And Liam is uh, very, very keen to get the uh, jingle playing. So, Liam, now we can have the jingle. It is now time for. Oh, oh, we had it there a second ago, and now it's disappeared. It's got to be here somewhere. Where are we? There we go. Question of the day. Okay, so what's our question of the day today? Our question of the day is is an interesting one because I feel like it's such a gnarly, sketchy, crazy topic. Uh, essentially, the question of the day is, are demons real? You know, uh, and can they be rid of? Is there a right and wrong way to do that? And who who do, who does that? Okay, the Bible does talk about demons, uh, evil spirits, angels of Satan, whatever you want to call them. The Bible uh, indicates about a third of the angels of heaven joined Satan's cause and therefore are under his control and are involved in doing evil things here on this earth. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, uh, rulers of the darkness of this world in high places. And so we do live in a spiritual world where we are surrounded by evil spirits. That is the simple reality. The Bible is full of that. You've got many examples of that in Scripture. So I guess the second question, the most important question, is how do you get rid of demons? Now, demons are going to... Uh, torment everyone. 
that's kind of their job, that's their uh, job description, so to speak, is to destroy as many people's possibility for salvation as they possibly can. So they're going to be on your case. This is where your temptations are going to come from. This is where your persecutions are going to come from. Don't be blaming God for that kind of stuff. This is the kind of thing that Satan does and his angels do, and they are very, very busy here on this earth. We do get a couple of behind-the-scenes views of this Uh in several passages in the Bible where you actually see what is happening behind the scenes. Uh, so they are very, very real. How do you get rid of them? You will never, ever get rid of them from tormenting you. However, there is something that the Bible calls demon possession. And demon possession takes place when somebody gives themselves over to the work of Satan and Satan comes into their life in a kind of similar way, but not the same way as Jesus can come into your life. We are spiritual beings as human beings, and because we are spiritual beings, there is room in our life for spiritual beings to have an impact, to have an effect. And when we are surrendered to Satan, Satan will come in and he will take possession. And so the Bible talks about demon possession. That's when the when a, when a demon comes in and possesses somebody, takes over and starts controlling their life. And kind of the demon just kind of starts living his life out from within somebody else. And so if you go to Matthew chapter 10, for instance, uh, Matthew chapter 10, let's go over there very quickly. Uh, and verse 1, the Bible says, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sicknesses and all manner of disease. And so one of the things that Jesus gave to uh, his disciples, those who are followers of him, was the ability to cast demons out through his power. And it's important that it takes through takes place through God's power. So this is an example in the Bible where some people saw Paul cast some demons out of some people and like, well, that's great. That's a cool party trick. We'll do the same. And so they're like, well, we find this demon-possessed person and we said, okay, in the name of Jesus Christ, of whom Paul preaches, come out. And the demon's like, well, I know who Jesus is and I know who Paul is, but I have no idea who you are because these were not people who were disciples of God and they were trying to do it in their own power by using magic words rather than by doing it through the power of Jesus Christ. It is only ever God who casts a demon out and that is through the uh, you know God working through a human being here on this earth to cast demons out. Uh, it's a big question here, so... How does that take place? In the Bible, you'll find in every instance of demons being cast out, the first thing that is going to stand out to you, it is that it is simple. In fact, the Bible says, and you get this in a number of places, Luke chapter 4 and verse 14, Jesus would not allow the demons to speak. He did not enter into conversation with any demons ever he would not allow them to speak and he would just throw them out. So if you've got somebody who is you know, coming around to throw demons out or whatever and they're getting into you know, holy water and crucifixes and having long conversations with demons and all those kind of things, then this is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that the person who is going to you know, be throwing out this demon be somebody who is involved in prayer and fasting. You'll find that in Luke, uh, Matthew chapter 9. 
um, that they're and, and Luke 17, they're involved in prayer and fasting. They are committed to God, and you will find that they don't enter into conversation because the devil will always win any conversation that a human being gets into with them, and that the person from whom the demons are being cast out is somebody who is also fully surrendered to God, that they don't have anything in their life that they are holding back and saying, well, you know, I'm not prepared to give this up or to give that up when it is something that they know that they should be giving up. You can't have a demon being cast out of your life when there's something in your life you are not surrendering to God. That's simply not, um, you know, that's just leaving Satan right in there. Um, And so this is a work that is given to all Christians it is a work that takes simply through power, through the power of prayer, through the power of God. It is God that does the work through another human being and it involves us making a full surrender of ourselves to God. One last thing before we finish, and that is the difference between demon possession and temptation. Some people say, oh, you've got the uh, demon of alcohol, so we'll come and do an exorcism for alcohol. No, you need to gain the victory over your temptation for alcohol. There's a difference between victory over sin and a demon being thrown out of your life. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.